Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing obey. Amen. Not everyone has a pulpit in their house. <laughs> this pulpit is old and it's tattered. I've had woodworkers and seamstresses offer to come and refinish it for me. I've never taken them up on the offer. It's not supposed to be shiny. It's been through a lot. It used to be a, a place for speaking. It took up residence in my home church. I used to sit at its feet during the children's sermon when the pastor would crouch down with some story or puppet, you know, that we could relate to. It used to hold the papers for the pastor on a Sunday morning, his sermon manuscript, the Sunday bulletin, the announcements. There's a small purposeful shelf inside the pulpit perfect for a pen or a candle snuffer. My grandparents, my parents used to watch this pulpit balance the preacher as he offered his sermon and swayed back and forth on a Sunday morning. The pastor would stand behind this pulpit and offer the benediction every Sunday. May you love God so much. It used to be, this pulpit, it used to be, it used to be a, a place for speaking. I can still remember the day that I found this pulpit for my own. It was being loaded onto the back of a truck. See, the church was closing down. It didn't have the money to pay for the electricity and the heat anymore. And so all of the pageant costumes and the sanctuary furniture, all of the Sunday school curriculum, it was being loaded up into a truck and the pulpit would be the last to go. And when I saw it on the truck, I called to the truck driver. I said, I'll take that. And he looked at me with a side glance and said, what are you going to do with it? I didn't say anything. I didn't have an answer. Maybe I was just being sentimental. Well, it's all yours, he said. And that is how this pulpit came to take up a place in the corner of my house for the last decade or so. Sometimes Homework papers gets, get piled up on the pulpit, but it doesn't get used like it used to get used. It doesn't have the same purpose anymore. It's no longer a place for speaking. 
Some of us may be feeling a bit like a pulpit in the family room, unable to do what we used to be doing, staying at home, staying in the corners of our homes, and there is a sense of loss in our purpose, isn't there? The components of our lives that used to give us so much worth have been shaken. At best, they're paralyzed. And at worst, it seems like our purpose has been pulled right out from underneath us. Work is different. And we worry that it will never be the same. Parenting, everything about parenting has changed. Some of us are now teachers and coaches. Our expressions of faith, they have changed too. We enjoy getting together and and singing together, seeing one another in person. But now it seems like, like this pulpit, we've been pulled out of the church building and we're confined to the living room carpet. What does that mean for us? Where has our purpose gone? Well, Abraham was a man with a purpose, too. And today, in today's text, he's staying at home. He was a man with a purpose, and we get to learn a lot about Abraham in the Bible. Adam and Eve get a few chapters. Cain and Abel get one of their own. Noah gets a few. But Abraham gets, from chapter 12 in Genesis to chapter 25, and then he's mentioned Throughout the Bible, we get to know a lot about Abraham and his purpose. Throughout that chunk of scripture, we learn about how Abraham picks up his family and moves time and time again from Egypt to Negev to to Hebron. We learn that Abraham has a purpose. He lives out his purpose as a negotiator with his nephew Lot, and then with the the king of Sodom. We learn that Abraham is a prayer. He falls on his face as he has conversations with God. There are lots of verbs to associate with Abraham and his purpose. But today, as Abraham stays home, he sits And this is the first time in the entire Bible that anyone sits. From creation, to the fall, to the flood, to the ark, to the tower, to the covenant, all of these acts of purpose for the people of God. And we don't hear about anyone sitting until right now when Abraham the wanderer, the one known for picking up and moving on, sits down. Now it takes a minor surgery, if you want to call it that, in the chapter before, and it takes the heat of the day, and it takes him being 99 years old, but yes, Abraham finally sits. And it may have felt to Abraham that by sitting, by staying home, he was setting aside his purpose. You see, way back in Genesis 12, when God makes these promises to Abraham that he will have a land and family and a name, 
all of Abraham's running around from then on is connected to that promise, to that covenant. But the hinge to that promise, that Abraham needed a male heir, was not something that Abraham could accomplish with all of his work. And so we find him today sitting down. We find him staying home. And it is there, at 99 years old in the heat of the day, it is there when Abraham is staying at home that God is given the space and time to find him and to speak to him and to tell him the good news that Abraham and Sarah, they would have a child. They would bear Isaac even in their old age. I love to share the 23rd Psalm at funerals. I read it at almost every funeral. Sometimes I share that in the 23rd Psalm, right there at the end, we are reminded that surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. But if you read that, if you read that text in Hebrew, you notice that the verb to follow there carries a lot more determination than you might think at first. In fact, that verb is used elsewhere in the Old Testament to speak about how armies followed their opponents into battle. And so you might say that a better translation would be, surely goodness and mercy will track me down. It's not as poetic, but surely goodness and mercy will track me down all the days of my life. We worship a God whose goodness and mercy tracks us down. And it tracked Abraham down right there as he sat outside of his tent in the heat of the day. That must have been what Abraham was thinking. God has tracked me down right here at home. God has found me and spoken to me and given me a sense of what my real purpose is and how he is connected to that purpose. I wonder if the same might be said of us. I wonder if those of us that are sitting at home, staying at home in the heat of the day, I wonder if those of us that are wondering about our purpose, like this pulpit, like Abraham, wondering if that purpose is gone or if a new one will reemerge, I wonder if, like with Abraham, now ought to be more of a time of listening than a time of doing. See, all this time, the pulpit has listened. That has been its purpose. It used to be a place for speaking, but now it listens. It has listened as we brought new babies home from the hospital. It's listened in as my wife and I made decisions for our lives together. 
It's listened to birthday celebrations and Christmas celebrations in our home. It's been a listener. That has been its purpose. It used to be a place for speaking, but now it listens. But today, as it is a place for speaking, even if just for today, I am in an odd way for something that is made of wood and cloth. I am happy for it. I'm happy for it. I'm happy for it in the same way that I'm happy for it. any of us that through this time of staying home, we might be finding a new sense of purpose in the listening that we are doing for God who knows where to find us, who has our attention, who intends to give us some new direction in our lives, in our tattered lives, even as we are staying home, even as we are listening, even as it is the heat of the day. And all God's people said, Amen.